0: What's up everybody? Welcome back into another edition of Bar Top Sports Talk. You are tuning in for the 40th edition. And me and Ryan were talking before the show. This is actually, I want to say this is around the time the podcast was first created a year ago almost. Not a year ago today, but very, very close. But we're glad you guys are tuning in. Hope everybody's having a good week. It's Super Bowl week. I know everyone out there is excited. Me and Ryan are we have a lot of Super Bowl stuff we're going to talk about in this episode. And then part two of the Super Bowl preview for Bartop Sports Talk. But first, Ryan, how are we doing this week, man?
1: I'm doing good, man. How are you doing?
0: Not too bad, not too bad. Can't complain. My vision's starting to come back a little bit. Oh, that's good. Can't, can't complain too much. For those of you that don't know, I forgot to mention it last week. I had a eye procedure done last Wednesday, so that's why we had the Friday episode. And I was going to joke on the podcast with you and Gabe last week. I was gonna say, you know how Mahomes had his ankle game against the the Bengals. So I was like, I had the the eye game, the eye podcast. All jokes aside, that's bad joke. Nah, it was cool. I liked it. <laughs> well, like I mentioned, I hope everyone's having a good week. We're gonna have a lot of Super Bowl talk towards the end of this show, and to preview some other things, we have our college basketball week fifteen, AP po- AP top ten, NBA power rankings week seventeen can't believe we're 17 weeks into the season. I think we're about the halfway point now, aren't we? Mm -hmm.
1: Something like that. 54 games, 55, I think.
0: Oh, wow, so we're over the halfway point. Mm -hmm. And then All-Star Week is next week. Going to be another exciting time in the sports world. And then we also, really just to start this episode, we have another Royals update. A little treat for the few Royals fans out there, if there are any at all. (laughs) But it's a kind of a slow, slow off season for the Royals. So there's not, not too much news. We mentioned a few of the signings and a few of the moves that they made last week. Or a couple of weeks ago with some of the trades. But to kind of quickly recap what went on over the, this past weekend. The Royals had their annual Royals Rally. Which if you're familiar with it back in the day. I think they used to have it at Bartle Hall I want to say. Or it might have still been at Kaufman. But they had... The Royals uh, fan fest was what it was called, but now it's the Royals rally. But long story short, they had it at Kauffman. There was an opportunity for the fans across, you know, the city to go meet the players, get some autographs, and you know, interview them, ask them questions. Interview the front office, which I'm sure everybody was kind of had had quite a few questions, you know, given the roster, this this offseason, some of the moves they made, and of course, the big one, the future of the stadium, you know, you know where the roles are going to be. To quickly highlight some of the, the things that kind of stood out, J.J. Piccolo, the new GM, he was hinting at the future. And what I mean by that, not the stadium, he's hinting at the young core that the Royals now have, which I think was something that the fans, I know I especially, was interested to hear what he had planned. So we've seen and last year me and Hector kind of talked about it during the MLB season how the Atlanta Braves they locked up a lot of their young players for probably the next I want to say 5 to 8 years. So really good management by the Atlanta Braves front office. JJ Piccolo is trying to get out at you know get a head start on this. We have guys like MJ Melendez, Bobby Wood Jr., um who else? Vinny Pasquatino, Brady Singer, those are some of our core guys that we need to for sure lock up and make sure that they're in the Royals uniform for the foreseeable future. And he kind of hinted at that saying, you know, those negotiations are going to start very soon with, especially with Brady Singer, Vinny Pasquatino and Bobby Wood Jr. So that was, I think that was really encouraging to hear because I think those are the three cornerstones. Those three guys, they're very, very talented and they have all-star potential. Now, the second takeaway that i have from the royals rally and you you're gonna like this ryan i think i I know you kind of like uniforms and sports yeah did you see the so i'm I'm sure you're familiar i'm sure some of our listeners are familiar with it too back in think george brett era mm-hmm. the baby blue all blue all baby blue uniforms so we saw the royals last season bring back the baby blue top which they traditionally do but they kind of retroed it so it doesn't have like a navy blue outline on the lettering or the numbers. It's just solid white lettering numbers. And then that baby blue looks so, it just looks crispy. I'm going to just go out and say it, it looks crispy. I bought a Salvy one last year. But now we're getting the bottoms to go with it. So they're going full on baby blue. It looks super, super clean. I think it's going to be one of the best uniforms in the, this coming MLB season. Very excited to see that. I don't know if people I, I've never been a fan of like baseball pants, but I don't know if people could purchase them. I have I mean, if you're a diehard fan, why not I guess. And then lastly, to quickly recap the Royals rally. It actually happened before the Royals rally, but it was it was awesome to see. Zach Grinke is back for another season. The Royals were able to re sign him after, you know, he was a free agent for a couple months. I wish they would have done it sooner, but I'm glad they were able to get a deal done because I think he helps this young pitching staff. There's a lot of guys that are still unproven, and I think that he can kind of help mentor them. And even himself, he was you know, fairly productive last year. He, he didn't put up like spectacular numbers, but he was pretty consistent through most starts. He would get you about five innings almost. So pretty happy about that. I think that they're moving slightly in the right direction. they made a pretty... They made a few decent signings this off season, But that's enough of the Royals. We're going to have some more Royals updates as we get closer and closer to the MLB season. I believe we are now, I want to say, 40 days away as of uh, yesterday, I want to say. And then spring training, I think, is going to start up here in a few weeks. You'll see pitchers and catchers report to su- surprise Arizona. So it'll be awesome to see the boys in blue back on the diamond. But for now, you know monitor or tone, tone your expectations, I guess I, I should say. And we'll lead into the college basketball segment now. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have the latest AP poll, week 15, top 10, and it looks like this. Surprisingly, the Purdue Boilermakers, I don't know, who, <laughs> Ryan, you might agree, I don't know who they had to pay to stay number one but they, lo and behold, they're still the number one team in the country, according to the Associated Press. Houston, the number two. Alabama, number three. Arizona, number four. Texas, number five. Tennessee, number six. UCLA, number seven. Virginia, number eight. Kansas, number nine. And then Marquette. Marquette, number 10. Mid-major creeping into the top 10. That's pretty cool. I like Marquette. Marquette's always been kind of a cool school. I used to like their uniforms um, after the Dwayne Wade era.
2: Yeah,
0: their cool team. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's funny. So I mentioned Purdue still holding on to the top spot for this week. People, you know You want to know what people were upset? But from some of the consensus that I saw in the Twitter sphere, you know what people were uh, were upset about in the top ten? What? They're upset that Kansas was still ranked in the top ten. Out of all things,
1: where should we be?
0: That, that's a good question, that's what I would ha- ask them as well, because, I mean, the teams that, yeah, we got blown out a few times. You know, the lo- loss against Iowa State, the loss against TCU the past, over the past two weeks, they were ugly. Don't get me wrong, they were ugly. But they were against ranked teams, and then we go and beat ranked teams, and we beat a Kentucky. So, I mean, I feel like we're proving ourselves to be considered a top-10 team.
1: I mean, we're 19-5 and playing in the toughest conference in basketball.
0: Exactly. Now, I mean, we may sound a little biased. People, you know, they'll hate. They'll say whatever. But I think KU has a legitimate case to be a top-10 team. So I don't know. I I didn't get the frustration with that. I thought it was kind of funny. Maybe some K-State fans and Missouri fans.
1: You can't put a mid-major above us. And we beat Iowa State. I mean, how far would they drop us? Lost to Iowa State. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, but we beat Texas. So, wh- where do they think we should be?
0: Yeah, that it'll, it'll be interesting to see people's reasonings. But
1: I, but as
0: I mentioned, Purdue lost to Indiana on the road. Indiana was ranked twenty-one. I just and that, that's really not a bad loss. Don't get me wrong; it's not Purdue. I think they're still one of the top four teams in the country. But I don't get how they get maintained. In Number one ranking after losing, and then you know, uh, a Houston doesn't move up, or an Alabama doesn't move up. Granted, Houston, Alabama, it's not like they beat signature teams over the past week, or even Arizona, but I feel like you could have shuffled it a little bit. And all those teams they've been a, around the top spot throughout most of this season. Those, those three teams that I mentioned, Purdue, Houston, and Alabama. And they've all lost at some point, but it, it it is interesting. Somehow they've all managed to kind of maintain that status as a top three team. I I don't know. I don't know the reasoning for the the committee or whoever does the Associated Press voting, but that's what it looks like. So I mean, we can we can't complain too much. We are one of the top ten teams. You know, we as KU fans, we're a little spoiled sometimes. But to kind of recap this past week in college basketball, it was pretty wild over the weekend. You know, KU got beat, Iowa State, as we mentioned, Purdue lost. Kansas State also got beat. Kansas State, who'd they play on Saturday? I want to say they played Texas. Yeah, Texas went on the road into Bramless Coliseum and beat them after trailing a while. So it was nice that you know, K-State lost, and then KU beat Texas. It was nice to see that. And because Saturday's slate of games, it was, it was pretty pretty big. We didn't really get to highlight it last week, but there was a lot of good ones. And I figured there would have been a little bit more of a shakeup, but that's neither here nor there. So we can kind of transition into the Big 12 now and go into our KU update. You mentioned KU beat Texas. Upcoming, they have Oklahoma and then Oklahoma State. So Saturday and Tuesday. But over the past week, and it's kind of been the story, really, since Big Twelve play started. We, we went five and zero. We are now, what is it, five Seven and four? Seven and four. So we're two and four in our last six Big Twelve games. Not ideal, but I mean we've talked about it multiple times now just how deep the big 12 is this season just how strong it is it's easily the best conference in college basketball this year i just they've been they've been really inconsistent because as we've mentioned they'll beat teams like kentucky they'll beat teams like kansas state they'll beat teams like texas and then you you kind of assume that maybe they finally get right maybe this is the point where they you know, go on a streak as we've grown accustomed to seeing over the past 20 years since Bill Self took over, you know, that's what you're just used to seeing They haven't really done that yet. And maybe this loss or maybe this win against Texas possibly does it, but there's just no guarantees with this team. Some things I have liked over the past week, or at least this game against Texas, DeWine Harris, he needs to be that aggressive every single game as a scorer. I think that was arguably his best game in his Kansas career. Even better than the national championship game. I think you can make that case. He almost, he flirted with a triple-double. He's kind of close. few rebounds and a few assists short, but I believe he had 18. Yeah. One of the leading, I think he might have been our leading scorer that game. He was very aggressive driving to the paint. And... The good thing was that he didn't take a lot of threes. You mentioned it before, Ryan. That's not his game. But he he was aggressive driving the ball. And then I liked the way Ernest Uday Jr. played in the first half of that game against Texas. I think he was a difference maker for sure. He plays big. I mean, he, he came up with a lot of defensive stops, forced a few turnovers, had a few buckets. I didn't understand why they didn't play him much in the second half, though. That didn't really make too much sense to me. but, And then I got another guy that came off the bench. And I told you yesterday, I think he could potentially have a similar run that Remy Martin did last year. Not saying he's the same player as Remy Martin, but you know I think he's a guy that can get hot once he gets into a rhythm off the bench, and that's Joseph Yesifu. I think he's a better option coming off the bench than Bobby Pettiford. And I think so far it's... He's proven that since Bobby Pettiford, was he has a hamstring injury right now. Yeah. Kind of something that's been lingering over the past week and a half or so. Those are some things that I've liked. This game against Texas, it meant a lot because they played together as a team. And they needed that because without Jalen Wilson scoring, you know, 20 to 23 points, they've looked bad. And even when he scored that much. In this game, he only scored two. Yeah, and they came out with a victory against a top five team in the country. Everyone stepped up. Brady Dick, you mentioned that he was eventually gonna, you know, break out of that slump, and he did. He had a very good game. He was another player that played well. KJ Adams played pretty well. It, the whole group as a collective, it was good. Very encouraging to see. Now, upcoming, I mentioned they have Oklahoma. This is a game that you could lose. Just given they've beaten Alabama, you know they're they're not at scrubs. They are good. I feel like this is a game that KU needs to win. You get two wins in a row, like you did when you beat Kentucky and K State, and then you have Oklahoma State, and uh, you go on the road to what was it Gallagher Arena? Yeah, in Stillwater. I feel like these two games are possibly as easy as it can be. And I say easy lightly, because as I mentioned, the Big Twelve—it's—it's it's, nothing's given this year. But those two games—they are road games—but those are two of the the worst teams in the Big Twelve in terms of record, at least. Kind of have to throw a record out the window, but these are two games that they need to win in order to stay afloat in the Big Twelve title race. Because right now, Texas—they are eight and three. Kansas or Iowa State is second at seven and three. We're actually number, and we're actually number three now. We were number six last week, I believe. So we moved up three spots. We're at seven and four. Kansas State's at seven and four as well, and the Baylor Bears they're at six and four. I think that's where it's going to possibly be between those five teams. I think TCU's kind of fallen out of the race because yeah, I think
1: they're six and four.
0: Mm-hmm. They're six and four, but they they lost their point guard. Not for the season, but he's hurt right now. He was the he's the predicted Big Twelve player of the year for this season. I can't remember his name exactly, but he was a pretty good player. That since they he went down though, they haven't been playing very well. I believe they're now on a two game losing streak. And even before that they've lost they've dropped a few other games as well. But that's kinda of where KU is right now. They're in position to potentially win another Big Twelve Championship. I told you, I believe last week or over the weekend. I think this is going to be a split, and KU might not even win it. But I feel like for, with the win against Texas. You have a better chance of possibly splitting with them. But then you also mentioned you, you kind of want to say what you what you texted me. What about Texas? No clue. They're somehow going to fumble the bag.
1: No, probably. I mean, there's no easy game in the Big Twelve.
0: Because their their upcoming schedule, West, West Virginia, Virginia
1: and Texas Tech,
0: and then Oklahoma. They they have a fairly favorable three game stretch, but then you play Iowa State and Baylor your last two games of the Big Twelve regular season. Those aren't going to be easy. Iowa State. Their next two games, Oklahoma's or their next two games are West Virginia, Oklahoma State, but then they had they go on a gauntlet TCU. At Kansas State, at Texas. So you have a very, very, very difficult three game stretch after this these upcoming two games. Texas has the most favorable schedule out of the three of us. K State, they're right there with us as well. They play Texas Tech and then Oklahoma. They kinda I think they have the second easiest. Again, I say easy loosely. They're the second easiest out of Texas, Iowa State, Kansas, and uh, Kansas State. Of course, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to come down to the last week of the season, I believe.
1: It's going to be close. We can't afford to lose another one.
0: No, definitely not. We need to, you know, one of those fourteen or one of those three teams that are uh, at the top with us. We need them to, to lose at least twice. I was hoping TCU would beat K State last night, but. Man, they, they look terrible.
1: Yeah, K-State pulled away big at the end.
0: I think K-State turned them over around 20 times.
1: That's how they beat us. Yeah,
0: they, TCU played bad, though. They were, they look, they did not look good at all. That's where college basketball is right now. That's where the Big 12 is. That's where KU is. If you're a KU fan out there, stay optimistic. I think this team can right the ship. I think that they can possibly. I don't think that they win the Big 12 outright. This regular season. As I mentioned, it's going to possibly be a split. Main thing is you don't necessarily have to win the regular season title. Just make sure you're going into March with some momentum. That is the main goal right now. Nothing else really matters besides that. And well, that's where we we'll leave off with of college basketball. We get into Ryan's favorite topic now the hoops analyst. We know he loves his NBA. The week. Week 17 power rankings, man. As we mentioned at the top of the show, almost halfway through, I believe over halfway through the season now. The top five isn't really changing too much. I'll give you guys the top 10, though. So we have the Boston Celtics at number one again. No surprise there. I get to say that again now. Now they're finally playing consistent ball again. Denver Nuggets, number two. Milwaukee, number three. Philly, number four. After Philly was number one last week, didn't really make sense, as I mentioned in the last episode. So it's kind of funny that they drop now. Number five, Cleveland. Cleveland moves up to number five, I believe, last week. I want to say it might have been Memphis. Number six, surprisingly, is the Brooklyn Nets. Again, this was as of Monday, though, so things could change. The Memphis Grizzlies fall to number seven. Ryan, I think before the show started, we were talking about Memphis and how much they've fallen off since, what was it, John Morant's comments a few weeks ago.
1: Lost eight of their last nine.
0: Man. And he was an MVP candidate during that time, too. That whole team is just underperforming right now after pretty high expectations. You know, they they set a standard. They've made all that talk. They had the young core. They should have never called themselves a
1: dynasty, though. No, it's a long season.
0: Yeah. Number eight, the Miami Heat. Number nine, the Sacramento Kings. And then rounding off the top 10 is the Los Angeles Clippers, who, by the way, you need to watch out for. They're a team that's starting to get hot. Kawhi Leonard is finally fully healthy. Him and Paul George on the court at the same time. You know, it's a recipe for disaster for other teams because that's one of the best duels in basketball when they're fully healthy and on the court. They are 8-2 and ten, eight and two in their last 10 games. And so before we go into a look around the association, we can kind of look at the standings as well. So we mentioned all the top 10 teams, but we'll look at the Eastern Conference real quick. Boston holds down the number one spot. Milwaukee, number two. Philly, number three. Cleveland, number four. Brooklyn, number five. Miami, number six. The play-in tournament for the Eastern Conference looks like this. You have the New York Knicks at number seven, Atlanta at number eight, Chicago, and then Indiana. I don't know. I don't know who makes who who holds down the number seven and number eight spot at the end of the season.
1: Yeah.
0: It's going to be a tight race.
1: There's a lot of close. The conferences are really close.
0: I feel like for the Eastern Conference play-in, the New York Knicks should make it. Atlanta, you would assume Atlanta shouldn't even be in the play-in. They should be a top, you know, six seed. They've they've underperformed this season, though. Chicago, I don't know if Chicago makes the playoffs. Indiana would be fun. They have some young talent. I like on their team. I like Tyrese Halliburton a lot. Now the Western Conference: Denver number one, of course. Memphis number two. The Kings. Somehow the Sacramento Kings are number three, and. At times, when we've talked about the Sacramento Kings over the last few episodes, I've been excited for them because you know they've had such terrible success—or not even success. Just they've just been terrible, really, since what the early two thousands. Yeah, when they had that run, you know, with Mike Bibby, who else? Page Storyakovich. A few other people, but but then at the same time, I kind of want them to be bad because I want them to move back to Kansas City. That'd be so cool. But I don't know that. I know that's not going to happen. Hopefully, we get an expansion team though. But number four, the Clippers—they moved up. The Phoenix Suns—they're they're, they're kind of starting to, you know, get their feet back underneath them. Devin Booker's back. They're eight and two in their last ten games. I think you'll start to see them possibly climb, and maybe Sacramento. With the Clippers and the Suns on Sacramento's heels, I think you might start to see them fall a little bit. Dallas at the number six seed for now. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Kyrie's supposed to make his debut tomorrow.
0: I think. It's, oh yeah, it is Thursday. That's you're right. You're right. It's, I mean, we'll like I said, we'll see what happens. It's gonna be interesting. We'll kind of talk about that during the look around the association, but. Number seven seed in the playing tournament as of right now, Golden State Warriors could change. They could eat you know, hope that core might be able to play through the Steph injury or that might fall.
1: Yeah, it's gonna hurt for sure.
0: How long is Steph Curry out now?
1: Everywhere that I look just keeps saying weeks. It probably. doesn't say a specific
0: It's probably a week if to I'm week. sure.
1: Yeah,
2: probably.
0: So that you know, Steph. He's been healthy, but at the same time, when he, when he gets hurt, he misses at least four weeks.
1: Yeah, whenever he gets back into his groove, it seems like something always comes up.
0: In those, in those four weeks that he's typically gone, you know, that hurts the Warriors because that's yeah. their leader. That You know, that's their number one player. Number eight is the enormous Pelicans. They, they fell apart for a while there. They're kind of like Memphis, but not... Without the talking.
1: Yeah, they they had a lot of injuries, though. They yeah. still do. They're trying to work through it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They are on a three-game winning streak, though. I did see reports. report Zion is out through the All-Star break. I wish he was on the court, but that's another guy that kind of keeps getting the injury bug. Minnesota Timberwolves, number nine. And then the Utah Jazz, number seven. Out of those teams, Golden State
1: has to make it in, right? I don't know, losing Steph. It's such a close race right now.
0: Do you think Pool Party can meet the expectations and be the leader for the backcourt? You know, he, he's not necessarily a young guy anymore. I mean, Age wise, he is, but he's a vet. Yeah, he's won a championship. I think it's time for him to step up and be a leader and prove that you know he can be that next guy when when Steph's out.
1: Yeah, this is his time. You need everybody to step up, though, one through eight. Yeah, I agree there. That lineup line up Because you definitely don't want to play Denver in the first round.
0: No. I think you'd have a better shot at playing Memphis. Yeah, for sure. Especially if Golden State still stays at number seven. But you mentioned it. The West is so tight. So seeds three through nine are separated by a game. So much up in the air. Now, you know, the playoff picture isn't anywhere close to being in focus. Yeah. There's gonna be so much that happens over the next, you know, two months once we get into April and then you really start to see the playoff seating come into focus.
1: After the All Star break it normally gets more competitive too. It's definitely more competitive.
0: Yeah, that's more exciting that's when teams started playing more defense. Speaking of defense, to, look, to quickly talk about the look around the association, Cam Thomas, this guy, I mean, he's the second Yeah.
1: The only player to ever have three straight, or the youngest player to have three straight 40-point games.
0: Yeah, he's in his second year out of LSU. Never heard of him. Never. Didn't hear about him last year when he was a rookie. I don't even. I don't. I don't remember the pre-draft analysis of him. I don't either. Or anything like that. Like I, I maybe we're just
1: casual. I feel like we're not casual. I so no. watch a lot of college basketball. But...
0: No, nah, I, I was just kidding. But I'm sure there's some people out there like y'all. Y'all slept on Cam Thomas. Y'all didn't know about him. Like only real ones knew about him. It's like mm, I don't know about that one. There was no buzz around his name. This guy comes out of nowhere during the Kyrie Irving drama and drops over, what is it, 120 points through three games? Yeah. Unbelievable. And I had a question, though, and we kind talk, of talked about it before the show. Do you think that's a testament to, like, this dude is legitimately a baller? And, you know, he's just like that? Or is that just how bad the defense is in the NBA now that a random guy is just getting 40 points? three games in a row.
1: I mean, scoring continues to go through the roof, but, I mean, with KD out and, you know, Kyrie being traded, maybe he just gets more shots. Oh, he or definitely may- has- Or maybe he's just finally getting into the groove.
0: He definitely has a green light.
1: I mean, if it was one or two games in a row, but three games, that's kind of. Not
0: really I mean, a he's coincidence. hooping, hooping. Yeah. I, I agree there. Like, I mean, if you get in the bucket, so like you're getting 40 points, you can score, you know, three games in a row. I just kind of think that part of it, his success, it definitely is predicated to the lack of defense in the NBA. I, these players nowadays, man, they if you if you're not getting points in transition, that's where I feel like a lot of teams usually get it, and it's either like a pull up three or you know you're obviously cutting to the basket. Teams that they just don't stop the ball like they used to. They don't. They don't. Man to man defense just isn't as good as it used to be. I know we sound like old heads right now, but... You do, I don't. <laughs> but that, I don't know. That's just that's just kind of my opinion. That's what I saw. I just wanted your thoughts on that. Maybe we'll have to keep following Mr. Cam Thomas, you know. Hopefully he get, keeps it going.
1: For sure. He's a great price on FanDuel.
0: Yes, that it's is true. Fan. In, the, the fan, in the daily lineups, that is true. So, yeah, Cam Thomas getting him in the daily lineups in the FanDuel. That's gonna be a great value, as Ryan mentioned. <laughs> what do you do? You know what he's priced at right now? No, I know it's changed once already. I feel like a player. If he's kind of like low profile, the he you could probably get him in the probably five thousand to six thousand range.
1: Yeah, I know. I had him. I think the second game he played, he was forty five hundred. Oh, that's really good value.
0: Yeah. He might have yeah, he might have jumped up a little bit now, given mm-hmm. the fact that he scored over 120 points through three games. But that was kind of one of the guys that's stolen headlines. And I, I really should have led the NBA segment with this, or at least the look around the association with this. I don't know why it's chose Ken Thomas over it, but LeBron James, man. What can you say at this point? What can you say?
1: NBA's leading scorer.
0: LeBron James makes history i think it was one of the coolest moments in sports history really you know their records are meant to be broken i don't think that record was ever going to get touched i didn't i never thought that record was going to get touched lebron james breaks the all-time scoring record for an nba in nba history i believe was 38,335 Something like that. I can't remember the exact number. I don't know why.
2: I don't have it in my notes either. I think we might have a quick Twitter search. I believe it was something like that. LeBron James. let's Check it out. Check it out. I'm sure he has it in his likes. Come on. Pull it up, pull it up. Oh, never mind. No, he doesn't. I I want to say it was thirty
0: eight thousand three hundred thirty eight. There might have been a three thousand three hundred eighty eight. I want to say something like that. Either way, LeBron James made history against the Oklahoma City Thunder in losing fashion. Unfortunately, I thought you know they should have capped it off with a win. That all the stars were there. Jay Z was there.
1: Um, who else? There's a few other people. Ty Lue, his high school teammates, over 200 media members. Basically, anyone who's been following LeBron over the past two decades. Yeah, they had him mic'd up, too, the entire game.
0: And last night, man, I was going through a bunch of different thoughts. I used to I used to dislike this guy so much, and especially mainly when he was with the Miami Heat. When he went back to Cleveland, I still kind of despised him a little bit. As the player, never the man. As the player, of course but when he went to the Lakers, I kind of began to grow, grow with, uh you know ad- admiration for him. I appreciated him for what he's done for the game of basketball for NBA internationally and everything. You can't deny he's one of the greatest ever, if mm-hmm. not the greatest ever you know people may disagree with it I don't know what to believe yet I don't know whether to take you know. Jordan over him. We're not going to get into that debate. We don't have to. You know, those guys are just easily two the the two best basketball players ever. But, you know, I had to tip my cap to him. I even tweeted out, I said, a really cool moment for LeBron. Used to be a huge hater, but you got to give him respect on this. Because, and I, I was thinking about this as well, if you think about any other sports, you know, around the world, soccer, You know, football, baseball, hockey. Has there ever been a number one overall draft pick that comes to mind that's ever set a standard and lived up to every expectation that people laid out for him? That's just done remarkable things for the longevity that he has.
1: I can't think of anything because he started off great. Yeah. Straight out of high school. I mean, he never really slowed down. If anything, Never. he's gotten better when you look at his numbers. I mean, obviously, you can watch him and he's not the same player, but like he said, he just attributes it to being smarter.
0: It's just incredible. You know, From even from the time the Sports Illustrated by the late, great, I oh, can't remember, Grant. Oh, I feel terrible. He was the soccer journalist that died in the World Cup or died at the World Cup. Yeah, I, I feel terrible. I'm uh, forgetting his name. I remember his name was Grant. But he uh, published The the Chosen One, that article through Sports Illustrated. You know, the, those are huge, huge expectations laid out for an 18-year-old kid. And now 20 years later, he's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, four-time champion, four-time MVP, what, 18, 19, 19-time All-Star, going to be 20-time All-Star, or 19. He'll be nineteen this year because I don't think yeah. he got into his rookie season. Just absolutely incredible. I feel like we are very fortunate as basketball fans to have gotten to witness this. You know this this is of all basically our childhood and our us as adults, man. Yeah, like have you thought about that?
1: Yeah, it's weird. Just think about he's been good for that long,
0: and for a long time I waited for his fall off. I'm not gonna lie, I did. And I I thought last night, too, you know, is this what people thought about when Jordan played? You know, like, wow, this, I really got to say, like, I watched him play. I watched so many games of his. I saw him in the playoffs. I saw all the amazing regular season moments. I saw the MVP awards. You know, I I felt like we could finally say that. And it's it's incredible. I feel like you're not going to see this happen ever again in the NBA. I don't think anyone touches his record. But, as I mentioned, records are meant to be broken. I just feel he's going to continue to play for maybe the next two years. Yeah, he said he
1: has a couple left. Give or take. As long as he can stay healthy. I think he's going to push for 40K. Yeah, what would it take him? One more finish a season, then one more season?
0: Yeah, roughly. He'd have to maintain, you know over 25 a game, which he's still very capable of. And as I mentioned, you know, defense in the NBA isn't isn't what it used to be. So he could very well average that and, you know, sustain that success again, you know, through another season. It, it's just incredible. You know, hats off to LeBron. It, it was an amazing night for the NBA. I know some people probably didn't like it, especially the, you know, the in-game ceremony.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, they stopped with 10 seconds left in the third.
0: It was a little weird. Yeah. But what are you going to do? You know, that's not something that happens very often.
1: Yeah, I think it the record held for 38 years.
0: Yes. Oh, yes.
1: Something like that, 39
0: or I think it was going on 40. It's something crazy. So nearly 40 years that record stood. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had it that long. That's why a lot of people didn't think it was going to happen. I don't I don't think anyone touches LeBron's I don't think anyone's playing twenty years, averaging twenty-seven points per game.
1: You had to stay healthy that long too.
0: That's another. That's another really impressive thing that I really want to respect about him. He's maintained his uh, health, his body. He's taken probably out of any athlete I can think of. You know, any sport, he's taken care of his body the best, better than Tom Brady, because I we I've talked about it before. You know the comparisons between. Brady and LeBron, to have, you know, the success that long, you know, to break all these records, I think LeBron's is more impressive because you could arguably say that he is one of the greatest athletes, period, ever, you know.
1: He's definitely building his case, and he's still going at a high level.
0: So, that, that was a really special moment in, you know, basketball history, NBA history, February 8th, 2023. Day, day to remember, not only if you're a Lakers fan, not only if you're a LeBron fan, but just someone that appreciates basketball. But that's enough of LeBron. We're gonna get into some of the trade updates. which really there hasn't been much, so this is gonna be fairly short. The big news we mentioned in the last week, we, news broke right before we recorded episode 39. Kyrie Irving requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. There is a little drama a few days after the request but ultimately he was dealt to Dallas Mavericks in exchange for Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie and
1: two first round draft picks I believe Uh, first round and then I think two second rounds yeah something like that
0: and Dallas of course gets Kyrie and Markeith Morris Yep, I thought that was interesting he was included in that trade that's that's only been the That's been the only trade that comes to mind besides the Rui Hachimura trade, but those are really the only two. It's been relatively quiet for the NBA trade deadline. I believe it's tomorrow. Yeah. So you, you would expect more news. I thought we were going to have more news for you guys. Kind of a little disappointed because I was really excited about it. I hyped it up last week, and now I kind of, you know, if, you, if people are NBA fans listening to this, you're probably, you know, what are you talking about, Santino? <laughs> I apologize.
1: Now nah, there's still time for it to be pretty wild.
0: No, I'm sure tomorrow will definitely go pretty crazy. Wojen, Shams. Yep. Late tonight. Tomorrow
1: they'll be firing off
0: back and forth on Twitter. But to highlight the Kyrie trade, well, I asked you last week because you know we didn't really even get time to process it because it just happened so quick, and it was kind of a foregone conclusion that it was gonna happen. Like that relationship with Brooklyn was not working. It hadn't worked for the past, what, two years that he was there almost. And just given his past his uh, his track record with Cleveland and Boston, as I mentioned in episode 39, his departures have been toxic. And this one, pretty much the same. I asked you, though, in episode 39, you know, what team goes for him now that he's available. And, you know, me and you both didn't have an answer for that because you'd have to invest and you'd have to – You'd have to invest long term, and you'd have to give up a lot of resources just to get him. Now, I don't think Dallas necessarily set themselves back losing Spencer Dinwiddie. Kind of hurts because he is a really good point guard off the bench. He he fits today's mold. you know he's a tall guard, six foot five. I want to say he's a, he can distribute the ball, good rebounder, good cutter, shooting. His shooting is okay, not bad. Dorian Finney Smith, not not a significant loss. I think he was probably their best defender between like him and Reggie Bullock. Yeah, but Kyrie and Luca—that's what we get. I mentioned last week the Dallas Mavericks we were going big game hunting, and you know they succeeded in that. How it will turn out? I I don't know. What are your thoughts on the trade,
1: Ryan? It'll probably end terribly. I just don't understand. You don't want to pay Jalen Brunson, but then you bring in Kyrie. He's gonna ask for more than twenty-five million, and if it is just for the, end, in- depending on how the season goes, he might end up being a different team by the start of the season next year.
0: I 100% agree. I think he's a rental. I don't see him. Make- I don't see him wanting to stay there, especially if it goes bad, because I-, I just don't know how him and Luca will gel. They're both ball dominant.
1: Yeah, and it usually takes time for people to get used to playing together, especially two superstars like that. I don't know if I'd call Kyrie a superstar anymore. Nah, he's, Maybe a big star. I don't know. He's still in that category. I'm going to take him out of that category.
0: <laughs> I agree with you, though, then. You make a good point. Why, why let Jalen Brunson walk? He's younger, not as good as Kyrie Irving. He would have been cheaper. I think the younger and cheaper, you know, kind of outweigh Kyrie Irving's play.
1: I think more importantly, less problematic. Yes. And he already ha- knew his role in that team. Yes. Jalen
0: Brunson, he's a proven winner too. Mm-hmm. Not to say Kyrie isn't. You know, Kyrie has won the championship with Cleveland. But other than that, I think, I feel like Jalen Brunson has more of a leadership role than he, Kyrie Irving ever has. Mm.
1: Well, you know, it's not going to help the team chemistry when they know there's, you know, more than likely he's gone next season anyway.
0: I wouldn't trust him if no. I'm if I'm with a Dallas Maverick. I wouldn't trust him. I'm very, very interested to see how him and Luca get along. Yeah, because Luca, I mean, he he knows English. He can speak English, but I mean, what is he Slovenian? Yeah, so he's not like the typical. <laughs> A typical Caucasian in America. You know, he doesn't necessarily understand Kyrie or probably his background and everything. I don't think
1: anyone understands Kyrie except Kyrie. And I still don't even know if he understands himself. That is a fair point. It's just that's always been like a drama-free franchise. And now they bring in Kyrie. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go.
0: That is true. They've kind of been, not necessarily success-wise, but they've been, you know, professional... reputation like the Spurs. You know, business as usual. You had guys like Dirk Nowinski Um other than that, I mean Jason Kidd was there. You know, guys that kind of no nonsense. It's not that they were like super stern, but they were never in the news for any controversies that I can think of at least.
1: Yeah. I just think it's a giant distraction. And I don't know, what are they sixth in the West, you said. Yeah, I don't know. It just depends on how f- quickly they can play well together.
0: L- Luca did need a, a you know a number one or not? A, yeah, Kyrie's a number one. I'll say that, but he needed a star with him is what I'm saying. I wouldn't say like a, a sidekick because Kyrie is not necessarily side sidekick. He's not going to go anywhere and accept that role. It is gonna. Be, it will be kind of interesting to see. You know. Who, who takes the back seat, but one of the things, one of the fallouts from this that some people have kind of talked about, and I kind of wanted to ask you, what do the Lakers do now? You know, because the Lakers were
1: linked, heavily linked to Kyrie Irving during all of this. Yeah, I guess it um, bleeds to report some of the articles that just said that the Lakers couldn't offer enough. And also that the GM of the Nets didn't want to send Kyrie somewhere where he wanted to go. Oh, he was petty. It w- it wouldn't surprise me. I guess it depends on if they do anything with the Westbrook or if they move anybody else, but probably go after Kyrie in the summer. But he would have to take a pay cut. You would think. I mean, I know if they, if they do get rid of Westbrook, that'd free up some money, but are they going to want to pay Kyrie that much money? Yeah, I wonder how willing... Rob Polinka would be with that, like how much he would trust
0: Kyrie, because he you'd have to give him a long term supermax. max, coming because that's just what he that's the player that he is, and he's going to be eligible for that. But I, I thought that was funny. Yeah, the Nets GM was very petty, didn't want to make a trade to the Lakers, didn't want to meet Kyrie's you know his request of going to L.A. I, I think he's going to end up there this summer. I think that's what's going to happen, but in the in the short term, I think that the Lakers do need backcourt help. Yeah, for sure. Russ, I think Russ is getting dealt. And you mentioned, as you mentioned, that trade rumor with him possibly going to the Utah Jazz, but he could potentially get bought out. That's just crazy. How Russ? I don't. I just don't know. He he's not a winning player right now. There was a stretch. He he was playing pretty well off the bench, but I think he
1: kind of tired of that role. Yeah. I mean, he was in six man of the year talk, he was playing really well off the bench. The ball was in his hands less, so he wasn't turning it over as much, wasn't jacking up as much crazy shots. But the more, the longer he's in the game, the longer you give him to make mistakes that he will make for sure. That's, I think they were kind of shown last night. Yeah. In the game
0: that LeBron broke the record. This, uh, there are multiple instances where he would just come down, go out of control in the paint, miss, turn the ball over on a bad pass. This is like, Russ, you're but you're 12? He's not like that anymore. You know, it, it's how do you not learn from the mistakes? Though That's my point. I just don't understand with that guy sometimes. Now, uh, kind of another a little bit of disappointing news that I had for this episode. I thought that there was going to be the all-star competitions that they would release the participants for it. We still don't know who's going to be in the three-point contest. I think Damian Lillard is the only one that's committed to it. The rising stars challenge. They did give the rosters for that. I don't have that though. I'm not going to go through it. I don't know. they Are still doing the world versus the U S or is it the second, like the sophomores versus the freshmen?
1: I think sophomores and freshmen.
0: They changed it back to that.
1: I believe so. I haven't seen anything about it. They're like the world if they are doing it.
0: Oh, yeah. But they did release the rosters for it. Which rookies made it for that? But the dunk contest, the dunk contest actually is the only one that they've, I think they have, like, this. they solidified the group and the the four participants. So we have K.J. Martin of the Houston Rockets. Is that Kenny Martin? That's Kenny Martin Jr. I believe so. Yeah. Well, so he's reported. He's not confirmed. Mac McClung, the social media sensation. <laughs> not so much for his actual basketball skills, though. But he's been reported as well, which would be interesting because he'd be the first G League player to ever compete in it. There's never been a G League player to compete in the dunk contest. Trey Murphy of the New Orleans Pelicans has been confirmed. And Shaden Sharp of the Portland Trailblazers has been confirmed. I know of Shaden Sharp. I know a lot of people on uh, Twitter,
1: they like him a lot. Yeah. Crazy athletic. I just wish there were bigger names in it. Yeah. I think it would help. Like a jaw or a Zion, obviously
0: Zion can't, but
1: Aaron Gordon, where are you at? Why, Why not come back and do it? Zach Levine. Yeah, I know they can't force people to do it, but I wish there was maybe more incentive for the players to do it. I agree. Yeah, I wish there would. That's kind of all the NBA news that we have for you guys this
0: week. I I was kind of hoping we'd have more. Week 17 was kind of a letdown in terms of breaking news, though. Kyrie, LeBron, Cam Thomas, you know, those were kind of the headline guys. Hopefully, episode 41 will have more for you in week 18 of the NBA season. But now, we get into the part I'm very, very excited about. Ryan is, too. As we mentioned, it's Super Bowl week. Um, it, It's just an unbelievable time. I can't believe it. The Chiefs are backing it again. So, before we get into the Super Bowl preview part two, I hope you all enjoyed part one as we had Gabe Alvarez hop on in episode 39 and break down one of the key matchups. For Super Bowl Fifty Seven, which was the in, be in the trenches, he gave kind of his insight on some of the key matchups between the Eagles and the Chiefs on in the trenches and everything. But before we get into the preview, I wanted to kind of do a Pro Bowl recap. And I, Ryan, were you able to find the viewership at all for that? Because they had it... Yeah, I got it. They technically had it two days. So they had last Wednesday was the skills competition. We talked about that on Friday. And then they had the flag
1: football game on Sunday. Yeah, it said it had a viewership of 6.7 million, but it was a 7.5% decrease from last year.
0: So it's even worse than what people were already complaining about, which I kind of anticipated it being.
1: Yeah. I think more people watch do you think that's like the pro bowl like the flag football game part or all of the like skills things too does it say the date or anything no it just says pro bowl
0: i would assume that that's probably the flag football and everything included or the flag football game they had other things included during the flag football game which was it was kind of funny because if you looked at the flag football rules i think they they broke it down with i think three different rosters though or like they filtered in three different quarterbacks for each team. So it made the game longer, but there's two 10 minute halves. So really it should have been over a lot faster than what it did. They just drug it out so long with like these games in between. And it, it was just boring. They're going to score, you know, you have a bunch of crazy athletic guys like Tyreek Hill or Jamar Chase out in space. And, you know, you're trying to grab a flag instead of tackle them. Of course they're going to break free. Yeah. The quarterbacks aren't getting pressured there were some quarterbacks that got pressured you could but even then their blitzer is getting a free rush because there's no offensive lineman so say a blitzer is lining up like where the a gap would be and he has a free rush and the quarterback just has to get rid of it immediately because i mean he's not used to that no one's used to that in football i watched it for a little bit i was not impressed i wasn't high on it I'm still not high on it. I think that eventually it's going to go back to tackle. I don't think the flag football will last, especially given that there was a, you said, 7% decrease. Yeah. And last year's game was bad. A lot of people complained about it. So they see that it decreased 7% in viewership.
1: Yeah, it's been been getting progressively worse for years.
0: I'm concerned if they eliminate it. They just scrap the Pro Bowl as, as a whole, or maybe they just do a skills competition, and then that's it. And no Pro Bowl game. Even some players were outspoken about it. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. You know, I'm not gonna say the exact quote, but you know, he said, "This this is stupid." That was the censored version. He was not a fan. No, and it was it's funny because he was. The host city, you know, for the Raiders. I'm sure that there were others. He was the most outspoken, though.
1: I think half, maybe not half, but a big reason why it had so many listeners was because of the success of Peyton Manning and Eli Manning calling games. Like so many memes every single week, the cool stuff. They were saying funny stuff. So I don't know, but they weren't even that funny.
0: The, yeah, they didn't have much commentary. Yeah, I think, just... I think they should have had a more of a mic'd up type of thing they had i think they had Kirk Herbstreit and Pat McAfee doing the play by play which Pat McAfee's a, he's a colorful guy in terms of like in broadcasting terms like that dude his personality is out there <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with Pat McAfee so i mean i can appreciate that they're trying to you know add to the entertainment value with a guy like him and then the Manning brothers as you mentioned they had success on the Monday Night Football Manning cast so they are trying, but the I don't know, the product's just not there. And I hope it doesn't get eliminated. I really do hope it goes back. And I'm I, I've said it before, and I'm gonna keep saying it. I hope that the NFL comes up with a way to incentivize the players if they're concerned about injuries and you know say they're a free agent and they're due for a big payday. Come up with some type of insurance policy to make them to not necessarily make them play, but Kind of persuade them to play,
1: if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. They they gotta do something.
0: I don't know what that looks like, but I hope that happens. But that, that there's not really much else to highlight about the Pro Bowl. I mean, the AFC won the skills comp, all the skills competitions. It it was okay, not not great, but we'll see what they do for the 2024 or 2023 2024 Pro Bowl, if if we even have one. Now we can get to the Super Bowl 57 preview part two. I didn't understand why some people, I know they were upset that Kansas City won because we kind of turn into the Patriots now, like the Patriots of the 2000s and 2010s, where we're always going to be involved in the Super Bowl run with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But there's people that said that, I saw it on the Twitter sphere. People said that they were, they were, this was one of the most uninteresting Super Bowls in recent memory. And I couldn't disagree more. I think that there are so many storylines that come from this game. You have, for the first time in Super Bowl history, now think about, this is Super Bowl 57. 57 years the Super Bowl has been played. Since the 60s. This is the first time two African-American quarterbacks are going to be playing, are going to be starting. Since Doug Williams was the first and the first to win it in the 80s, I believe, with the Washington then named Redskins. There's that one so to go along with Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. They're the two two highest odds of winning the MVP. So that's that's not very common you have two of the top MVP candidates facing off each other in the biggest game of the year. How could you not want that? The Kelsey Bowl. Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, both future Hall of Famers. First time in in, in Super Bowl history that you have two brothers in the Super Bowl playing against each other. You know, that just that's another added factor to it. Those two guys are entertaining. They've been entertaining on the New Heights podcast leading up to the Super Bowl. And then to go along with that, to kind of piggyback off the Kelsey Bowl, could you say that the Kelsey brothers are probably the two greatest sports brothers in history, like sports history? Yeah. They're so
2: cool. They're entertaining, professional. They've had success
0: too, though. That's that's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah, they each got a bowl. I'm so nervous. Both with Hall of Fame careers, I think they're up there with like the Cooper brothers. Not not really, but they they all at least made it to the NBA. Giannis won MVP, and then his brother was on the team when they won the championship. But I, I can't think of really any other ones. Which I'm sure there's plenty more. And then another storyline as well Andy Reid. Obviously, he coached the Eagles for a long time. The Eagles parted ways with him in 2012, became the Chiefs head coach, I believe, two weeks after that. And then since then, we've had this success. We've been one of the most successful teams in the NFL over the past decade now. There, There's so much. There's just so much to be excited about in the, in this game, Kansas City and Philadelphia have ties through different whether it be sports or you know people just in general there's a there's a Kansas City Chiefs themed bar in Philly you know that you wouldn't think of that, but there is that I didn't know that yeah, this is a fun little fact right there. not a lot of people know that, I don't think, but it's been getting highlighted this week. Unfortunately, I think they're going to close for the Super Bowl just because in case people in Philly, you know, they act too wild. <laughs> they might try to burn down the bar or something.
1: That's probably a good choice. Yeah,
0: a little bit of like an insurance policy there. Now, I know you wanted to squeeze the Sam Ryan, so we mentioned all the storylines. These, are the, I'm, I try to build the game up. I don't know if I'm doing a good job, but... You're doing a good job. These are definitely some things to be excited about. Now I know you wanted to add a little bit into the Super Bowl. I'm excited for you that you have this. So Ryan is going to put my knowledge to the test. He's going to hit me with some Super Bowl trivia, which I'm i since you told me about. It, I've been pretty excited to answer some of these because I feel like I'm a football historian. I have like some old school Super Bowl books, some like John Madden type stuff. You know, they breaks down the history of the NFL. So <laughs> let me see what you got.
1: So I have three Super Bowl questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Which team was the first wild card team to make the Super Bowl?
2: That's a tough one. To make the Super Bowl. Yeah. I didn't know it. New York Giants? No. Pittsburgh? No. I'm stumped on that one. You
1: want the answer? Yeah. The Raiders? Okay. So this is in the... 70s? Uh, it doesn't have the year or the Super Bowl number. No. You want the next one? Let's do number two. I thought this was crazy. What team has played in four Super Bowls and never held the lead?
2: Is that Buffalo? Yeah. I was just thinking because they lost all of those. So does this mean that they're only four? like All time or what? Because they had to lose all those Super Bowls if so they didn't help, uh, hold a lead. I don't know the. Hmm. You know what? I'm not really looking
0: like a football historian anymore. Who is was it? Cincinnati,
1: Minnesota Vikings.
0: Oh, okay, okay, yeah, they. That's going way back because they they made the Super Bowl a few times back in the '70s early 70s.
1: Yeah I didn't know that one at all. Okay what's number three? What teams haven't appeared in a single Super Bowl? Do you want me to tell you how many there are or no? Chargers are one for sure the
2: ooh not the tight the uh, Jaguars there's one We'll charge. That's two. Nah. All oh, the Chargers have been in. it. Okay. Yeah. Jaguars. The. Mm, the Texans. Yep. And the. I feel like that's almost it. Or three. There's probably a third one. How many? How many are left? Two. Two. Detroit. Yep. One more. And actually, Detroit played in the NFL championships, I believe, before pre-Super Bowl. One more. One more. Mm. What division?
0: Can you, do I get a hint? Just a poverty franchise. Cleveland.
1: Yeah. Okay. I should have known better than that. That's all I got. I tried not to get too like obscure with them. I thought those were just kind of fun. Those are interesting, though.
0: I didn't know that about the Raiders being the only wild card. They're the first wild card to win it. The Vikings, I should have known that one, I feel like. I didn't.
1: My guess was yours, Buffalo. Was yeah, I
0: feel like that would probably have been the most common answer. Like, if you asked a group of people. That's interesting, though. That was a good one. That was a good one. I like it. Keeping the Super Bowl coverage going. One thing, the next thing I kind of wanted to get into, and we're not going to spend too much time on it, but the betting odds. You know, we have to talk about betting when it comes to the Super Bowl. It's one of the most bet-on sporting events, probably in the world, along with the World Cup. I'm assuming. There's just so much that you can bet on with the Super Bowl because of all the different prop bets. You know, people people will bet on the most goofiest things. They'll bet on how long the super or the national anthem is. They'll bet on what the coin flip is they'll bet on who gets the first first down who scores first um what color gatorade is there going to be you know different things like that just things that you wouldn't even think of but the things that i kind of want to highlight so for the super bowl we're going to talk money line the over under and the super bowl mvp so right now the point spread the over/under you have the Eagles at minus one and a half, and you have the Chiefs at minus one and a half. I feel like it's, if if you're a betting person, I think you definitely take Kansas City minus, or plus one and a half. So that means that Kansas City can't lose by more than two points. I feel like they're the underdogs in this game. I think that taking them at minus one and a half is a good value because I feel like they're going to win. Taking the Eagles at minus one and a half means that they have to win by. Or taking the Eagles by at minus one and a half is is pretty good value too. That's that's really playing safe because that means that the Eagles could win by any margin. They just have to win by more than one point, so they can win by two and you hit. You know you'll you'll make some money. You're not gonna win much money. You have to bet because it's minus one one ten, so you'd have to bet like. Ten dollars to really get, you know, something significant back. Not even really anything significant, but now the money line, Chiefs are plus one hundred and four. That's your opportunity to make a little bit of money. So, say you bet ten dollars, you win just a little bit over ten dollars back. So basically, whatever you bet, you're gonna make that back, or almost double it, essentially. Yeah, you'll double it because you have twenty dollars total that you would win from that bet. I think there's really good value in that plus 102 be on the lookout for sometimes there's super boost on FanDuel at least sometimes you can get one of these props at a better odds and the Eagles they're minus 122 in the money line it's another good position for the Eagles you know you're going to make money possibly if they win it's 50-50 split but Minus 122, those are pretty good odds because you'll at least win something. If it was like minus 300 or something like that, if they're like heavy favorites, there'd be no point in betting on the Eagles. Now the Super Bowl MVP. I feel like it's pretty obvious who are the two top candidates. I mentioned it, you know, in the storylines leading up to this part. You have Jalen Hurts and you have Patrick Mahomes.
2: Now I'm trying to pull it up. I believe Patrick Mahomes. Where's that?
0: Here we go. Patrick Mahomes is at plus 130. That's pretty damn good odds for Patrick Mahomes to win. He won Super Bowl MVP in in the 2019 season in Super Bowl 54. I feel like he has a really good chance of winning it again. Unless, you know, you have a guy like Pacheco, have a great game, or Jerick McKinnon. I couldn't see any of our receivers winning that award. They're, so that's why I feel like Patrick Mahomes has a very strong case. Unless you have one of our defensive players that just you know plays out of his mind, then that'd be the occasion that you probably bet on one of them. I think Patrick Mahomes is the obvious choice. And then there's Jalen Hurts at plus 130. Or they're both tied. They're both tied at plus 130. You can't go wrong with either one. I think that you more value with Patrick Mahomes, as I mentioned. I think that the Eagles have more mouths to feed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because think sure. I could see if the Eagles were to win, I could see A.J. Brown possibly having, you know, getting yards after contact and, you know, scoring a couple touchdowns or so. Having a good, pretty big game yardage wise, potentially. Devontae Smith. That was a guy you said you were tripped up on his name.
1: Yeah. I'm so bad with names.
0: He's the former Heisman Trophy winner. I think we could kind of hold him in check, but I think he's another guy that there's been times throughout this season where he's popped off for pretty big games. Miles Sanders is another guy that's popped off for big games. Given how much Philly runs the ball, I think that you have to keep him in mind for the Super Bowl MVP, especially if he gets a few touchdowns. So that's kind of why I think that it waters down Jalen Hurts' case to be Super Bowl MVP. Like I mentioned, I think Patrick Mahomes would be the safe bet and the obvious bet at plus 130. You Again, you if you bet $10, you'd make a little bit over $10 back. So you'd make over $20 total. Just some things to consider. I don't know if there's too many betting people out there, but given the fact that the state of Kansas legalized it this year, I'm sure Chiefs fans are going to be all over the prop bets. I'll probably eh, might place a few. I'm very superstitious about this actually. So when we played Cincinnati, Ryan, yeah, made no bets on Kansas City. Anytime there's a big game like that, I don't place any bets on them because I don't want to be the guy that jinxes them. Yeah, me too. But. I would possibly take Kansas City Moneyline if I were to, because I think there's value there. Now, those are some of the main storylines. And now you kind of get to the point in this part two preview for Super Bowl 57, where you kind of talk about the things that are included along with the actual game itself. Now, think back to your childhood, Ryan, or all, all the years that you've watched the Super Bowl. What would you say is your favorite Super Bowl commercial, if you can think of any?
1: Probably the Doritos one with the kid it was like, "Don't touch my mama, don't touch my Doritos."
0: I was gonna say the exact same thing. That I feel like that's iconic at this point. I mean, there's so many iconic ones. Like there's there's been a lot of that have become famous that were just hilarious. And there's oddly enough, there's been some that kind of touch your heart a little bit. Yeah, you know they have those kind of like heart wrenching ones like that there's a story like a real life story you know that kind of gets you in the feels a little bit might i agree with you there i was, I was trying to think of other ones there is a there was one where there is the dirty dancing with eli manning and odell beckham i like that one a lot too. that was that good one. that one was pretty funny now the halftime show what do you think is your favorite... I don't know if you really even pay attention too much to the halftime performances. Not at all. So you, you don't think you would have anybody you can throw out there as
1: your favorite halftime performance? I don't really get into that okay. at all. I know some people watch it just for that, but I, it's just not my thing. There are people that will just like disregard
0: the whole game and invest their time solely into the halftime performance. Yeah. That is pretty odd. It's just not my thing at all. I think... For me, Prince is number one. Prince in Miami. Super Bowl. I can't remember this number, but the game against the Bears and Colts. That was Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl. That was iconic. He was playing Purple Rain in the rain. He was tearing it up on the guitar. Michael Jackson in the Rose Bowl. I believe that was in the, I want to say 80s, late 80s maybe. That's another big one. I'd say even Beyonce in two thousand twelve in the Superdome. You remember when the lights turned out? Yeah, I feel like that's pretty iconic. But just because of that, because after she performed, you know that that happened with the power outage. All the memes. Yeah, all the memes that came along with it. And then, oh, I throw Bruno Mars in there. He was pretty cool. A lot of people didn't like the weekend, but I I kind of did. It was different because that was the COVID year. So Raymond James Stadium. In Super Bowl Fifty Five, they you obviously had like I think ten to twenty thousand people in the in attendance, and it was just cardboard cutouts, <laughs> so you didn't really have the full effect. So the weekend kind of had to get creative, and it was different. I questioned if he had the catalog to do a Super Bowl halftime performance because some people some people really love the weekend, and some people just see him as another artist. I'm one of the people that really love him, and. Even I kind of question like, does he have enough hits? You know, because I think it's roughly about a ten minute performance, give or take. Last year's was pretty cool too. The L.A. theme, yeah. Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, The Descent. That was that. Now that's a meme. That is good. When he was doing the, uh, when he was on the pull-up bar, <laughs> and he was hanging upside down. <laughs> oh, that was funny. So they kind of piggybacking off of that. Rihanna is this year's Super Bowl halftime performance. I don't know if you, how, how big of a fan are you of Rihanna? So, so you like her? You don't like her?
1: Not really. I don't really. Doesn't do anything for you. Maybe if it was Mike, I'd listen or watch it. But <laughs> I'm not really getting into that.
0: Yeah, I, I feel you there. Not really so much of Mike. Rihanna, I kind of like her. She's a good artist. Then this, it's really cool though because this is five years. Since she's really been active. I think she released a couple singles. But she hasn't released an album in five years. So this is the first time. That she's really. You know stepping in. Or stepping out into the music world. I'm wondering what her set list will be. Does she have the catalog. To go out there and put on. You know an all
1: time great performance. I don't know. I usually, I mean, I'll be so nervous during halftime. I'll either be really sad or really happy, so probably won't even watch it. <laughs> Just be caught up in your own emotions. Yeah,
0: I think I think of songs like "Please Don't Stop the Music." Now that's one way back. That's one of her biggest. Yeah, that's one of her first like hit singles. Her uh, "Pump Up the DJ." I think that was her first ever song. I would like to hear. Uh, What's my name? The song, you know, her featuring Drake. Yeah. That's a classic. I think work gets played. Yeah, probably. That's just, you know, that. It's too popular not to. Yeah. There's a, there, I mean, there's so many. There's a rude boy. I know, I know quite a few. I mean, she's been, we have grew up listening to Rihanna. Like she's always been on the radio somewhere. And my fiance, she's actually a big Rihanna fan. So, I kinda, so you'll have to watch it, huh? Yeah, I, I hear quite a bit of Rihanna, and, you know, during car rides sometimes. <laughs> She's actually excited excited about some of the merch that's coming along with it. It's pretty cool. They they have like a Rihanna Savage Fenty, her uh, designer brand. They have like a lip, uh, lipstick with like this. Her when she announced that she was coming to play the Super Bowl, she has like her hands sticking up with the football, and then she has like sweaters and different things. They're actually pretty cool, but. I am interested to see. I think she can put on a show. It's just been so long. Like what do you expect? 5 years out of really the spotlight in the music industry. It would be interesting. I think she I think she'll deliver. I don't know if it'll be an all-time performance though. That's my only thing. Now to keep the questions going about Super Bowl memories. So you mentioned you don't you don't really pay too much attention to the halftime performances but the game itself. In your opinion, what would be your most memorable Super Bowl? Growing up, out of so that's roughly 25 years, going on 26. Chiefs, 49ers. Well, yeah, that's a, yeah, of course that that has to be the number one. Yeah, yeah, 50 year drought the Chiefs have between Super Bowl four to Super Bowl 54. You know, yeah, I I can
1: I can understand that. Any others though? No, not really. If the Chiefs weren't in it, I mean, it would always be on, obviously, but it would just take some of the fun out of it for me. I know some people like watching it regardless, but I was always like, man, what if the Chiefs were in it?
0: Oh, there's definitely been some years I've been super uninterested. The year the Rams and the Patriots played, when it really should have been the Chiefs and Saints, I didn't watch it. That was the first Super Bowl I'd never watched, and that was the worst Super Bowl ever. The final score is 13-3. to
1: Broncos-Panthers was pretty bad.
0: Broncos-Panthers was not good. That was Peyton Manning's last year. That was uh, that was another one that was kind of a letdown. But for me, I agree with you. Super Bowl 54, that has to be number one. I'm not making like a top five or top three, but that's one. Um, 2008 Super Bowl, I can't remember the number. Giants-Patriots, the first one. Eli Manning, the pass to, uh, oh, how can I forget his name? David Tyree. The helmet catch. Yeah. That's one of the first Super Bowls I ever remember, like, actually watching. Because I think I was, like, old enough to finally, like, really understand, kind of understand football and really enjoy it. I'd say that one. I'd say Giants-Patriots part two. The Mario Manningham catch on the sideline for the Giants. And the Giants were able to seal that game as well. Really, it's just Tom Brady losing. (laughs) Yeah. Common theme. No I'm, jokes aside, but those two games, they'll stick out. Um, I'd say the Seahawks Broncos. That one.
2: Watching the Broncos get absolutely pummeled. Um I'm trying to think of other ones.
0: I, I don't know know why, but I, I do remember the Super Bowl in two thousand five. Was the pay, it, was, it wasn't was. the pitch. It was, it was the Steelers and the Seahawks. So, like my, Matt Hasselback, Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season, I believe. I remember Willie Parker's big run, the throw from um, Antoine Randwell to Heinz Ward. Couldn't stand that guy. I didn't like it. The only reason why I remember it is because my uncle was a giant Steelers fan. So. Those would probably be mine that are probably most memorable. And I would throw in Steelers-Arizona Cardinals. That game came down to the wire. The San Antonio Holmes catch in the back corner of the end zone. Yeah, it was big. Still questions if his feet were down. Did he really toe-tap that? Those, those are mine, though. And All right, last question. Out of all the Super Bowl parties that you've been to, and think of what you'll have this year. what What's a What's a go-to Super Bowl meal? What can't you go wrong with?
1: Just any kind of finger food, usually. I don't know, chips and dip. I feel like that's iconic, but that's kind of more of a side.
0: Yeah, what would you say? Okay, well, like an entree, then. Pizza. Pizza. Can't go wrong with I'm
1: pizza. I'm a pizza dude.
0: Can't go wrong with pizza. I think it's cool when people will do it by theme, so by the host cities. Like I, I think when Super Bowl was in New Orleans one year or it was 2012 as I mentioned uh, we had gumbo that year and that was like the main course and then you had other side stuff of course you had chips and dip different types of dip, clam dip black eyed pea dip um, there's so many other, french onion dip like there, there's a lot of dips that you can have at a Super Bowl party I, I do like the themes this year I don't know what you would theme for Arizona though I don't even know what's, what's a kind of a notable food item out there in the desert.
1: I have no clue.
0: I've never really thought like about cactus it. Cactus soup? I yeah, don't know. Something like that. Scorpion? I don't know. Some Southwest type of like vibe or something like that.
1: Probably. I never even thought about that until you brought it up. Now I'm like, I can't name one like signature dish.
0: L.A. Maybe you have street tacos last year. Things like that. Tampa Bay, I don't know what you've had two years ago. Yeah, I've got that one. But I, I just thought of that. I don't know what my family's having this year, actually. You can't go wrong with ribs. Ribs are always good.
2: Oh, yeah. Sure.
0: But that that's kind of... I, I thought we would have fun with this episode with some of these questions. Because I, I think that you need to have that conversation. You know, Super Bowl week, you have to talk about these things. Because there's so many... Aspects that go into, you know, things surrounding the game. Now we get into the part where we really highlight the game itself. And before we kind of do that, though, I just want to say. For me and you, man, and really all of Kansas City, if you're listening to this podcast, episode 40 of Bar Top Sports Talk. Do not take this run for granted. Do not take Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid for granted. Think about all the years we were terrible. I can name the quarterbacks that we had before. Alex Smith, Brody Croyles, Tyler Thigpen, Palco, Ricky Stanzi, Kyle Orton, Damon Heward.
1: Matt Castle.
0: Matt Castle. Think of all the things we had to go through to get to this point. It was rough. It was unbelievably rough. Just the the Patrick Mahomes effect, man, the five years since he's been the starting quarterback, five straight AFC Championship games, three Super Bowls, potentially two Super Bowl wins. This isn't normal Kansas City. This is not normal. Don't take this for granted. Appreciate this greatness while it's here. Be excited for this. And I feel like this is a good point to transition to the keys to victory. In the last episode, we talked about one of the key matchups in the trenches, and I think that's still going to be one of the biggest ones. The other key matchup to look out for will be, I think they're secondary, against our receiving core. So we know that McCall Hardman is not playing. He was placed on IR earlier this week, I believe. We have to win on the perimeter, on sometimes. We don't have to always throw it out there. But they do have guys like, um, who is it, Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Gardner Johnson. I can't remember his first name. They have guys like that. They have a very talented secondary. And some of their safeties, too. I can't remember all of their names. But they've, they've been match- match-up nightmares this season for opposing offenses. Granted, we've kind of talked about it off the show, Ryan. They haven't played an
1: offense like ours. Not at all.
0: They haven't played a quarterback
1: like ours. Not at all. Not even close.
0: Not to say they will dominate them, but I definitely think if you're a Philly fan, you cannot expect to just completely lock everybody down on our offense. We may not have the most talented receiving core, but when you have 15 making those guys better and getting them open and even extending plays, it's just very difficult to defend. And I think that's we have to be able to win those matchups at some points throughout the game. And especially if our offensive line can give us, you know, a little bit of time to throw, I think we will have success. One interesting statistic I did see the Chiefs were averaging, I believe, just over three yards a carry in this postseason. That's not good.
1: We got it. we have to establish the run game. I saw besides
0: the run Isaiah Pacheco had against the Jaguars, I wanna say. I don't know if you remember when he was bottled up and he wrote yeah. three. During that was during the Chad Henney drive, the ninety mm-hmm. yard drive. Besides that play, there's been no explosive no explosive plays like out of our run game. It's a little concerning.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I say establish the run game, but then again, you just got to let Mahomes cook. But if you can establish the run game, it would take some pressure off Mahomes where he wouldn't have to do everything. I agree. But if it's not working, we have to abandon it early.
0: And we, we do have capable options. We have Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, and Clyde. Clyde Edwards-Helaire got activated from IR. He's been on the Super Bowl stage. I, I don't think he'll get a lot of snaps just because McKinnon and Pacheco, the, the hot hands right now but those two guys and to i'm I'm not going to place high expectations on a rookie but he needs to have a big game pacheco needs to have a big game i think we need to utilize mckinnon
1: out in the passing game a lot yeah that opened a lot of things up because we don't know how healthy juju is going to be or tony
0: and this defense we're going to face it's different so we did play the eagles a season ago in 2000 the 2021-2022 season we did play them we won that game we scored 42 points to expect that we're going to have that same success again i would i would kind of pump your brakes a little bit i don't think we're going to score in the 40s it'd be nice and for context in that game we had 200 yards rushing You know, this offensive line, it's it's the same offensive line. Different defensive front though, for the most part. They still had they had Fletcher Cox, they had Brandon Graham, they had Javon Hargraves, they had Josh Sweat, I believe. They didn't have Hassan Reddick and Nadonicum and Sue. But maybe you use the same formula to an extent. You're obviously not banking on your game plan from that game to when you this one, like I mentioned, they're a different team. Speaking, like relatively speaking, same players but different team, different makeup. They added; they have a bunch of new additions. Now, defensively for us, it's basically the same offense we're facing that we played them in 2021. We gave up 30 points. Jalen Hurts threw for 387 yards, but granted. That came kind of in garbage time. The Chiefs did have a lead, but they gave up 14 points in that fourth quarter. So obviously the Eagles had to pass the ball, and that's why he had 380 yards passing. As dominant as the run game has been over the past two seasons, and especially really this year, we held them to 103 yards rushing that game. And they had the same exact running backs they have, the same exact offensive line they have. Jalen Hurts, Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders. They're three main ball carriers, minus Boston Scott. Boston Scott's also involved in that as well. I'm not saying we're going to hold them to 100 yards rushing. I think if we can hold them to under 130, though, I really like our chances if you hold them to under 130 yards rushing. That's still well below their season average. It's going to be tough.
1: What do you think? What are your thoughts? Every time I try and think of what our game plan should be, I I second-guess it every time. I'm not sure. You, have, you can't just let Jalen Hurts run everywhere, but you also have to be aware of the, their offensive threats, too. I don't know. It's I literally don't know because they have so many weapons. It's tough. Obviously, I don't know. I try and think about it, and I still can't think. Like Fritz and I were talking about it. I don't know how... When you figure out something that works, because they have such a dynamic run game too, Jalen Hurts can throw, but he's also so quick. They have downfield threats or whatever threats, deep threats. It's going to be
0: crazy. Defense has to set the tone immediately. I think if you can, I think if you punch Jalen Hurts in the mouth, not literally, but if he tries to run, you got to remember his shoulder is still kind of banged up a little bit. You know, he did miss some time with that and he's not a hundred percent. If he's going to run, you know, don't hold, don't pull your punches. I know he's a quarterback, but don't pull your punches. If he's going to run, he's, he's a runner at that point. You know, treat him like a running back. You hit him enough times. He's not going to want to run the ball that much anymore. Now, but he is a big dude. So you have to wrap up. You got to take him down. Don't injure him. I'm not saying play dirty or anything like that. But if you can also contain him in the pocket and make him throw. But the thing about their passing game is it's heavily predicated on RPOs. And it makes sense because they run the ball so effectively. So they're going to get rid of the ball quick. I think that for the most part, they're going to keep it simple for Jalen Hurts. They're gonna want to get the ball out of his hands fast on, you know, quick game. But they're also going to try to make the Chiefs come up. Their defense, they're gonna try to make them come up, and they're gonna try to probably make the this young secondary that we've seen, they're gonna try to make them probably fall asleep on a few plays and then try it deep. You know, that's when they hit Devontae Smith deep. That's when they hit AJ Brown deep or Quez Watkins. They just have to be prepared. The young secondary. They stepped up in a big way against Cincinnati's receiving core, and I think Cincinnati has a better receiving core than Philly. I think they have the best receiving core in the league, and they did as good of a job as you can against the Bengals. They held Jamar Chase and T. Higgins both under 100 yards. That has to count for something.
1: Yeah, we've played some really talented teams, and I think that's going to help us on Sunday.
0: That's what I was trying we to tell people. A tough too. schedule. Yeah, we played a very tough schedule. That's what I was trying to tell people. You know, Philly's defense, as great as it is, think of the defense that we played this year. We played against Tampa when they weren't as bad as what we thought they were going to be, but their defense was always a top-10 defense. We played against Buffalo. We played against Cincinnati twice. We played against the Niners' defense. We played against Tennessee's defense. Tennessee... Again, as bad as they have been, in some of the injuries they had, they had a pretty talented defense. You know, Mike Verbal is their defense, or their head coach. He's a defensive-minded guy. We've played against we played against a bunch of tough defenses this year. We've seen Patrick Mahomes has seen any coverage you can think of, any different approach. Whether it's rush four and drop uh, seven into coverage, or if you rush three and drop eight into coverage, if you keep it too high shell, if you blitz him, he's seen it all. I really think they come prepared. I think Andy Reid will have a great offensive game plan. I think that they need to avoid being too cute, running different gadget plays, You know, especially in the goal-to-go area. Steve Spagnola has to make adjustments. Really, the whole coaching staff, where they've run into trouble the last two years, they haven't made adjustments. They need to be able to adjust on the fly. And he to be able to kind of go away from their game plan if it's not working. Because at times they've been stubborn and they haven't wanted to. Steve Spagnoli, he can't get blitz happy. Because it's going to be that one time that Philly will figure it out. They'll be able to get something quick behind that blitz. But really, you need to limit the run game. Keep them to, 100, under, <coughs> sorry. Keep them to under 130 yards rushing. I think if we rush for 120, as a team, I think we're in good shape. I think if we keep Patrick Mahomes under three sacks, if we keep him even two sacks, I think we're in good shape. This is this is the moment, you know, I think Mahomes is going to show why he's going to go down as arguably the greatest. He's going to show why he's a Hall of Famer right now at 27. Very excited for it. I hope that all of this talk all this hype has gotten you all excited to it that are listening. How many more days? Four. Four more days. Counting down. I know you all are too. Tune in for episode 41 for the recap of Super Bowl 57. Hopefully it will be an exciting one. It will be previewing the Chief Super Bowl parade. But there's also the chance we might be disappointed. But I feel confident in it. Ryan, you should too.
1: I'm confident. Kansas I'm City.
0: Nervous. Kansas City you should too. Tune back in for episode forty one as well for college basketball updates and the NBA updates as well. We'll see you guys then.